0: It's the 20th of December 2010, seven years after Dublin barristers Edward Walsh and Constance Cassidy bought Lissadel Estate in Sligo. Two years since they began legal proceedings against Sligo County Council. Fifteen minutes since Judge Brian McMahon finished reading his judgment. The waiting media are gathered outside the four courts in Dublin. The couple are about to make a statement.
1: Disappointed? We're somewhat surprised. We're going to sit down tomorrow. We're going to have a chat with our own lawyers and to see are there grounds of an appeal. In the meantime, I've made arrangements already for the gates to be opened, and they'll be open later this afternoon. We want to try and get clarification with the county council as to exactly what vehicles are allowed to go through. It's during daylight hours. We tried to do something we thought that was good. We had a vision down there, and that vision is now over. Thank you all very much and uh, appreciate your you all being be here. Are
2: you going to close? Open as a attraction the
1: we'll have no idea. Our vision is over there. It's
2: over. Our, You're vision. Our dream, Our
3: Our dream vision is, is simply My over. My husband's dream is over. I mean, the sad. gates
1: will be open. Lissadell is a wonderful place. The, we tried to do something useful. When we came there, it was sad. It was neglected. It was declining. We thought we had arrested that. We thought we had moved forward. And obviously... We haven't succeeded in what we believed Lisadell needed to be uh, from the perspective of security, from the perspective of insurance, from the perspective of maintenance. I don't see how it can be done, and I don't think we're probably the people to do it.
0: A 58-day High Court battle had been bitterly fought, the judge finding that the contested internal roadways were subject to rights away in favour of the public. The Walsh Cassidys had just lost. The concept of good neighbour was used quite a lot.
1: Well... I think what I did down there was good, good neighbourly. I gave a lot of employment. I recreated something very, very special. We
3: went down every weekend, every single weekend, uh, on a Friday night, on a Saturday morning. We went down every single weekend for four years. I threw all my children in the car in their pyjamas. We went down. We put more time, more love, more effort, more money into that place. So we are very, very sad. But maybe it means that we'll have more time together as a family.
1: Absolutely. And it may be time for a new leaf in Lissadell. I think that Lissadell shows what what we achieved there in the few years that we were there showed what could be done with a wonderful place. No hotels, no
3: Commercialization. commercialization.
1: It was to try to restore something Mm. to as it was in the 1890s, 1900s when Constance was a young girl growing up there. Uh, Anybody who's been there, anybody who's seen it, I think, knows that it's a very special place and there we go.
0: And why did some of the residents object so
3: strongly then? Well, I think you need to ask them. You have to talk to them. right. Thanks very much. I'm sure they'll tell you. you.
2: Okay. Thank you. Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Well, the first time I was really aware of any difficulty that was arising there was on the day of the opening of the Constance Markovitz exhibition. which had been It out- was
0: back in 2007 when Stella Mews, chairperson of the Sligo Yates Society, was invited to the
2: Walsh Cassidy's high-profile launch. And I was running late when I arrived and uh, although the guest of honour, Bertie Herden, had been expected almost an hour before I arrived, um, when I arrived uh, I drove up the drive ..behind a police car. And, of course, that gave the impression that I might be a really important personage. But when I got to the head of the drive, with a large crowd standing there. And when I arrived at the top of the driveway, they jumped out in front of my car... Uh, some of them holding black umbrellas, which they opened, pointing towards me, and there were slogans written on them and on the T-shirts some of them were wearing uh, they displayed. The, uh, roads open for you, Bertie, but not for me. And I suddenly realised there was something going on and a hidden agenda that I hadn't been aware of before.
4: Yeah, Bertie heard came as teacher to open an exhibition in what was the stable yard now called the Coach House, and it was... During that period when uh, the local community were still trying to find a way to have their voice heard in relation to the, the closure of the roads at Lisadell, so uh, quite a number of local people attended at the outside of the coach house on the avenue there to protest.
0: Fine Councillor Joe Leonard was also at Lisadell that day, but unlike Stella Muse, he hadn't been invited.
4: I joined my neighbours there that day, yeah, and uh, the protest was organised... With um, small umbrellas, you know they, they um, these I think they're called telescopic. You can know, put them into your pocket. So that everybody who was protected was given an umbrella. It Was very cheap from the pound shop or something, and they were black. And then white writing on them was "Open the roads." So when the teacher onto a ride, would be the local deputies and all the people that run around with Tichuk arrived. The next thing, the place was all black umbrellas with white writing saying "Open the roads." It was very effective visually. And it was all good humoured as well, you know, and uh, there was nobody. There were guards there, and they were saying, you know, you can't go into the function when you're protesting and all that. But it was a very... uh, very civilised protest.
0: The protest may have been good humour that day, but it was a sign that tensions simmering were boiling to the surface in a very public way.
4: One of the Cassidy's, either, um, I don't know which of them it was, one of the, one of the Cassidy's anyway, uh, asked me if I, if I was Councillor Leonard that day and said that your invitation to join us for hospitality is now withdrawn. But that was OK too.
2: Having visited the estate in the days of the Gorbuths, I actually got to know Aideen Gorbuth and Gabriel Gorbuth, her sister who died earlier. I got to know them very well and to a lesser extent their brother Angus. And um, I knew Aideen exceptionally well and she wasn't in any position to defend the rights of the estate they were very poor. They had very little help. They were treated scandalously in the early days of trying to run the estate after their brother had been made a ward of court and an agent was put in. The story of Lissadale is one of the saddest stories in the history of this state. They were treated absolutely appallingly. And she wasn't in a position to put up one strand of wire They couldn't have afforded anything and they lived in such penury that they actually, I think, were on the breadline. It was tragic the way things were and at that time people abused the privilege of using the estate. They couldn't stop them so they didn't object and they were very kindly people and really very generous with everything. But they were just happy to see uh, mother and her her child um, walking through the woodland or something so long as they didn't uh, damage anything. They were happy to go along with that. But um, there's no question of it being a right-of-way.
4: I would say that probably Stella Mew, who, uh, who runs the Yates Society here in Sligo now, uh, w- is mistaken in that view. You know, I think that uh, uh, the Gore from my experience, had never had any issue with people p- travelling. As, as far as they were concerned, that was the public's right. They, they, there was never an issue about that, and it wasn't a question... That uh, it was a failure on their part in terms of management of the estate. It was the it was taken as given that people came and went at will on the roads of Lisadour.
0: Twenty months after the protest in front of Taoiseach Bertie Ahern, in December 2008, after a county council meeting, these two immovable objects
3: collided in a most spectacular fashion. And uh, this is the Alpine Garden now. The best way to see it is actually if you come down.
0: It's now September 2009. Almost six years since the Walsh yeah, Cassidy's
3: took over, so and a new regime is in operation. In the whole garden was so impenetrable that you couldn't distinguish what was here or what wasn't. And uh, it was completely covered in escalonia, elder, ash. It had been absolutely unchecked. It was like a jungle.
0: Lisadell yeah. is 20 kilometres outside Sligo Town. By this time, the new owners had managed to clock up an annual 40,000 paying visitors to the estate. The operation is highly organised. The tourists paid to get in to see the house where the young W.B. Yeats and the Countess Markovic sat together
3: to marvel at the newly restored gardens. It was like the lost gardens of Heligan, multiplied by ten. It was, you see, the lost gardens of Heligan, what happened, all the gardeners went off to the war and died, and so everything overgrew. Here at Lissadel, it was somewhat similar.
0: Isabel Cassidy is Lissadel's estate manager and a sister of the owner Constance. She's the person who speaks publicly on behalf of the Walsh Cassidys.
3: I think derelict would be a a perfectly fair way to describe it. There were burnt-out cars, everything was overgrown for at least 60 years. The old overgrown avenues that crisscross
0: the estate, leading to hidden beaches and pretty woodlands, are closed off to the public, except for closely monitored areas that lead you to the shop, the cafe, the gardens and
3: the house. And there's been a huge amount of energy and love poured into the place Uh, and a great deal of money also. I mean, effectively, just just about 12 million has gone into Lisadell. It is the 29th of September 2009, ten months
0: since the Walsh Cassidy's started legal action against the council and Isabel is not happy.
3: This is the last Sunday we are open to the public ever and we are pretty disgusted that we have been effectively... At the whole place has been attacked like this. It's, it's just unbelievable after it's come so far and done so well. We have taken uh, legal action against Sligo County Council because they are alleging that there are, uh, and claiming that every avenue here that you see in front of you are public rights of way, and we have obviously checked, it's our position, that there are obviously no rights of way, public rights of way here.
0: Although the owners will reopen the estate again briefly in the summer of 2010 to put on a Leonard Cohen concert, for now everybody thinks that Lissadel is closing for good and the old house is crowded with people who have paid in to see the final tour.
5: Now, during the 19th century, the man who was responsible for keeping this estate going was a man called Sir Jocelyn Gorbus, and he is the brother of Eve and Constance. His claim to fame was that he had built up what was considered to be the largest and the most extensive daffodil bulb farm in the world on the grounds of Lisadell, And he was involved in setting up the first co-op units in North Sligo and Leitrim. He and his wife had eight children, four sons and four daughters. And I'm sure the couple thought they'd done enough to secure an heir and a spare, as it's called in royal circles. But unfortunately for the family, during World War II, his two most capable sons were killed. And when Sir Jocelyn, the father, was uh, informed that his Blue-eyed boy was dead. He died himself. It was said four days later, a broken man. Now, of the two remaining sons, the oldest one, Michael, he had suffered a nervous breakdown. And Angus, the youngest brother, he'd come back from the war shell-shocked. So essentially, after World War Two. So Jocelyn had died partially intestate, and this meant that the estate was put into a division of the High Court. It was vested with what's called the wards of court, and this resulted in 30 years financial and legal problems for the gore Boots sisters. At one stage, they were threatened with an eviction order, and they did well to hold on to the four walls of this house.
0: During the 2010 court battle, both sides tried to lay claim to the previous owners, the Anglo-Irish gore Boots.
6: But how am I to get my brother's things right? I mean, it is all missing. It's not in the account. And how am I to get it right if I don't stand up and say it's missing? We're to the government to have an inquiry and find out where it went to. The irony
0: is that all during the 60s, the Gore Boots were at the High Court too, spending money they no longer had, accusing the Office of the Wards of Court, an arm of the Irish state, of grave misdeeds. They lost their cases.
6: And I think it was an extremely mean way to treat my mother, who was an old lady, who'd lost her two sons, who had two sons ill, and um, was a person who was always kind and good to people. And my father was the person who went all to Sligo and lead um, from starting the creameries, which was meant to check in the farmer's pocket every month ever since.
0: But for a while, these court cases resulted in a flurry of media attention for the Gore Boots. In this old film, the elderly Gabrielle Gore Booth, niece of the Countess Markovitch, argues her side to Seven Days, the precursor of prime time.
6: And I think it was a terrible thing to do to her, his widow. But I mean, the law should be just, shouldn't it? And I don't think it was. I mean, it was the most twisted business, surely. Two years later, she would be dead left was her sister Aideen
0: and her shell-shocked brother Angus the estate became overgrown and run down, Angus was the last to die in 1996 there never was any government inquiry and the Gore Booths were not heard of publicly again until outside the forecourts in December of 2010
1: do
7: you want to come in Uh, a bit closer? okay I'm Jim Meehan uh, I'm a long-time resident of North Sligo. It's, it's hard not to be emotional. <laughs> it's a feeling of gratitude to be in a democracy that can handle its business in this way. Our local authority resolute in the face uh, of being taken to court to defend the local rights, rights away that, that we know to have been enjoyed for generations, certainly of my family, and I think that would hold true for everybody else here. Um, I, I certainly would like to say a word of thanks to the judge, uh, Judge McMahon, because to, for us to attend court is a very difficult thing. And we felt very much uh, listened to and uh, respected for our presence there. And uh, I feel very thankful about that aspect of our democracy. Uh, I had thought of saying something wonderful about the Gourbuds because they were my inspiration certainly in standing for this. There were people that had cared for the community through generations of service in the arts, in politics, in community development and enterprise. Uh, And they should be remembered today. I'm pleased to note that the justice uh, included quite an amount of commentary in his judgment about them. They were fine people.
0: What happens now? Do you expect the gates to be open tomorrow or this afternoon? Well,
7: the the judge asked uh, for care and caution between people at this point in time and certainly we will be very considerate they, the, the owners of Lissadel House are our neighbours and uh, we wish nothing for them but the best that they would enjoy their time there as occupants, that they would benefit from any commercial activity that they want to have and we will be their supporters, they are our neighbours and I suppose the only concluding thing was that in the summer we had Leonard Cohen there and And he did sing, um, there's a mighty judgment coming, but then I could be wrong. You see, I hear those voices in the Tower of song, And um, I think he got it right.
0: What happens if you don't win the court case?
3: Um, Well, you'd have to check that with uh, Eddie and Constance, but... I, Liz will not continue in, 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 this, in this manner.
0: I don't ask Eddie that because, until a statement last December, he never talked about the case in public. His presence is everywhere on the estate, though. Photographs of him with visiting dignitaries like the then Minister for Justice Michael McDoule, the Taoiseach Bertie Ahern, framed local newspaper articles on the wall of the cafe full of praise from Sligo County councillors welcoming the family to Sligo. How did it all get from that, from the congratulatory rhetoric to 20th of December 2010? Case lost, roads open and £6 million in legal costs hanging over the owners' heads. I remember seeing Constance and on, Eddie on the, um, the Late Late Show.
3: God, that was at the very beginning, wasn't it? Do that you think was... local people had certain expectations? I certainly don't think that from our neighbours around here. No, um, there certainly are. Obviously, some people who are in what's called the Lisadell Action Group who, are, um, who have indicated to the council that they're not happy and the council has taken up the cudgels.
8: The good news is that this historic house has fallen into good hands. Another Constance will grace its rooms because Lisadell was bought by a couple who are going to make it even more accessible than ever before to all of us. So will you welcome, please, husband and wife, Eddie Walsh and Constance Cassidy. Come on out. <laughs> Well, it's good to have you uh, on the program. We've been talking about doing this for quite some time. Um, Why did you two decide to go for Lissadell? I remember when it was up for sale, there was a lot of speculation, would the state buy it and who had bought it in the end when it went into private hands, i.e. yours. Why did you decide to go for it? Well,
1: I suppose at the time, we both, when it was in the paper, it was very, very extensively covered. We both looked at it separately without actually discussing with each other and both came to a view that it's a fabulous place. We both knew it well. Constance from having holidayed in Sligo. There, from my point of view, I'd worked down there over 20 years or more, had been out of the house many, many times, thought a most unique, magical property. And we, I suppose, looked at it initially and said, could it be done? And then I said, to Constance, look, I've looked at Lisadel and I'm half-minded to take a shot at it. Constance said, well, I really want to do that as well, but I never thought you'd agree to it. I mean, we intend to certainly live there. The sale closes, we hope, on the 12th of December, and the law term closes on the 19th of December, and we intend to be down there on the 20th of December. You're going to be there for Christmas? Yep, yeah, and whether we're in sleeping bags or on the floor, we'll
8: be there.
0: There were plenty we of people time. watching the Walsh back. Cassidy's That's on the Late Late Show Silver. that night. Luck,
8: the best of luck with this house. It's a huge undertaking. I hope you don't live to regret it, and I'm deeply looking forward to seeing well, it when, when, when you're, to you when you're working on it and when it's complete. Absolutely. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank
0: Councillor Joe Leonard was one of them. Well, what I was saying,
4: here we are now. There's two, a family going to live in Lissadale. They're obviously very successful, wealthy people. Uh, I never heard of them. I, I had no business to know anything about the law. So I didn't know if they were notoriety in the law or how famous they were or how successful they had been. I knew nothing at all about them. And they appeared in the late show and they were the new owners of Lissadell and that was it. And they were talking about, of course, their, uh, what they were going to do with Lissadell. And that was... The, every, the community really welcomed all of that. Everybody wished them well. In Lisadail, and people would uh, be able to, it was, That would be nice to see Lisadail actually lived in and become a vibrant place. And the idea that it would become, you know, a tourist uh, attraction was all very welcome. And the fact then that they set about doing, uh, you know, restoration works on on the down the stable yard and. All of those improvements and they restored the gardens and all oh, people people really uh, were, were delighted that that was happening. But people did not welcome the closure of the roads and the, and the closure of the roads over a gradual period and uh, people became concerned obviously about that and did not welcome that.
0: And so began a series of events that led all the way to the High Court.
9: I could be as critical as anybody, but I was absolutely delighted to see the, 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 the people coming down from Dublin. They were Irish people, after all.
0: Joe McGowan is a local amateur historian. He won't be called as one of the 55 witnesses to the case, but writes to the local paper in any case.
9: My father fought in the War of Independence, and what he fought for was to get Irish people into the big houses. But I've heard some people say that the only thing that has really changed in the big houses are the accents, that the, the mentality and the arrogance remains the same. I'm not so sure that that's the case. But it, 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 it would be nice if the Cassidy Walshes were better at public relations and reaching out to people. I've, I've written a letter to the paper where I say, let the courts decide. and. And we don't know what the decision of the courts will be here. But what is it to be afraid of? That's why we have a law of the land. And let the the law of the land decide whether the Cassidys have rights or not. That's not really for me to decide. But I feel myself that the rights of where we're there. And, of course, they're putting up the best possible case they can to say that there are joyriders around the house and everybody can sympathise with that. I'm not so sure that that's the case. For instance, down at Johnsport, there's a gate there. And I've seen this on the estates before. People put up a gate and they say, well, it's only a gate and it's open you can go back and forth any time you want. But I'm not a lawyer now, as as, as the Cassidys are, and, and, and Walsh's. But it seems to me that once you put a gate on a, on a, on a public right-of-way, you're saying, I have the right to close this gate any time I want and you allay the fears of the local people by saying, well, sure, it's open, what are you complaining about? It's open most of the time. We only close it at night. But once you establish a right to close it, when the years go by, as has happened in Classybourne Estate, those gates are closed and locked all the time, and and there is no more access to the shore or access to anything. So I'd be very fearful of that, but I can understand why they will make a worst-case scenario for closing off the rights of ways.
3: I think it was May 2004 we shut that gate because we had an issue. We had um, an incident where a couple of the kids were nearly taken out of it by a guy in a, a young guy driving one of these souped up cars whizzing by the front of the house. So we just immediately went straight down and shut the gate. And did anyone complain about you shutting the gate? Yes. One of the leaders of the action group, I think uh, uh Mrs Gilmartin, uh, Mrs. Susan Gilmartin and I think Michael Wan, the artist also, uh, but they came up and demanded that the gate be reopened and we refused.
4: People who were very local to Lisadell, they were concerned, obviously, and they did go down to talk to the owners at Lisadell, and that was not a very constructive engagement.
10: I'm Damien Hobson, and we're at Lisadell, and this is the second gate lodge to Lisadell. the uh, The entrance this road leads down by the big house and to the sea, so it's the second access road to Lisadell Beach.
0: Between the closing of Lisadell in September 2009 and the end of the court case, it is hard to get anyone close to the local side of the case to talk. They have all been called as witnesses and have received legal advice to stay quiet.
10: I'm from just uh, 100 metres up the road. I grew up here all my life. Um, And we grew up walking up and down this road down to the sea um, and cycling along with all the other neighbours in the area.
0: Susan Gilmartin, a chief witness for the county council, cannot speak. But her son Damien, not a witness, does.
10: A great-grandfather was a trapper um, for the Lisadell estate, so they would have uh, trapped rabbits and brought them on the train up to Dublin to sell at the market. They would have all worked for everybody in the area, would have worked for Lisadell in some way. They, they were tenants, you know, they, they paid the the Gorby family and uh, and then they got to work on the estate. Uh, if you walk down to the sea you generally will be challenged by the owners and uh, told to leave.
0: Has that happened to you or any of your friends?
10: Uh, well, it has happened to my family, yeah. That they have been told to leave and they've been followed to the uh, to the entrance to um, and, and watched and told, told to get off the, the property like yeah. You know, it's a shame that just such a simple thing as going down to the sea and you're, you're stopped doing it. And, it, you know, you would like to think that in the future that that kids from the area will be able to do the same thing that we grew up doing. Um, and, I mean, when we were doing it and uh, we'd pass by the house, the, the Gore Boots would be friendly. They'd come out and have a chat. And, and they even had little Christmas parties invited the, the kids from the area down into the into the big rooms and stuff. It was a bit of an event. Like, let's go find what stands out in my mind is that they had a um, a room that would have been 20 feet tall, and their Christmas tree was only three feet tall. But uh, yeah, no, it was cool. It was, it's uh, amazing house. Did you get
0: invited to Christmas parties
10: and new owners? No, no, <laughs> no. There's no interaction with the with the new owners really at all. Like they they um, they like to keep it all closed off. Really, keep people out.
4: The proposal which I put before the County Council in 2008 was effectively a process. It was a process whereby at the end of the process there would be an option to amend the County Development Plan or not to amend the County Development Plan. And that would involve a process whereby the owners of the land or the affected persons would be written to and asked for their opinions and submissions in relation to that. This was a further opportunity or an opportunity to have this thing discussed and to uh, to actually. Because part of what was happening was that Mr. Watch was always saying that he had a statutory declaration from Jocelyn Gore Booth, which effectively said and gave legal uh, basis to the fact that there were no, in his opinion, no rights of way over Elizabeth. I think in the judgment, the judge said it was craftily worded but didn't have a clean bill of health.
3: It appeared that Councillor Leonard put forward the motion it was uh unanimously passed i I think i I don't know what the rationale for it was but it has put this family under immense pressure for well over a year there's only so long that you have this quite distressing quite negative thing that all you know people will start losing interest and that would be a real tragedy the place cannot afford to have this continuing drip drip, drip of damage that's being done to it. We, we would hope and pray that the matter is resolved as quickly as possible so that we can try, if it is possible, to get it back up. But it's very hard not merely to restart the physical restoration but to restart the enthusiasm and the love that had gone into it because there's been a really large kick in the face and I think there's only so long you can take that.
0: The Walsh Cassidys took serious offence to this resolution, saw it as an attack on their property. They were assured by the county manager and by the county solicitor that it had no legal effect, but they began their legal action on the 14th of January 2009.
11: Well, I think the council are very pleased with the outcome. Uh, It must be remembered that they came to these proceedings as defendants. They did not initiate them. And uh, from the council's point of view, they're very gratified uh, at the very comprehensive result in their favour, justifying the advice received to defend these proceedings in full. Uh, Apart from that, the Council hope that uh, Lissadell will continue to play a very important part in the Sligo area and wish Mr Walsh and Ms Cassidy the very best for the future. Do you
9: expect it to be an appeal?
11: Anything is possible in this business.
0: The only person missing from outside the forecourts that day is Councillor Joe Leonard, who for much of the 58 days of the case had been in Court 11.
11: Okay.
9: Was there a reason
0: Councillor Leonard wasn't in court today?
11: You'll have to ask him that.
0: Because he'd been there all along. Uh, He had, yeah. yeah, yeah. And the big day, he's not there. Big day, yeah.
11: Well, there he is. Uh, You'll have to ask him, I'm afraid. I don't know.
0: The lawyers for the Council and the members of the executive walk away. The Sligo locals, led by their spokesperson Jim Meehan, who had quoted Leonard Cohn, went to meet Councillor Leonard, who was waiting in a nearby Temple Bar Cafe.
4: My mother still lives in the townland of Lisadell, and I live in the next townland now. My father inherited the land in Lisadell from his aunt. We, we were all reared in the townland of Lisadell, although we didn't have any direct association with the Lizardel estate because nobody belonging to us had ever worked there. Um, my grandfather was a carpenter and he had a workshop and then my father worked in the creamery and he farmed the land so we were, whereas lots of people would have been, local people would have been employed in Lissadale Estate uh, our family didn't have any association with the Gore uh, as employees uh, when Lissadale House opened first to the public and I can't actually recall the year now I mean I was in school in Summerhill that time and I remember 18 uh, Goreboots coming to ask my parents would I uh, do the tours for her for a day when she was going to a wedding, or if she had some thing on that she wanted to go to, and well, I would do the tours then but uh, it gave me a great insight into the way they thought and the way they lived and what was important to them, and what was important particularly to Aideen was that she would actually hold on to what was left at Lisadell, so that you know her nephew would someday come back and be bring Lisadell back to its former glory, and that was her real ambition and uh, she minded everything so well because her nephew would be coming back. That was her, that's what she hoped.
5: Printed material about Lisadell would say it was a place with a faded sense of grandeur. Really, that's just a nice way of saying the house is falling down round your ears, because they had no money, the Gorbuth sisters, and they opened the front doors to allow members of the public in, and this provided a hand-to-mouth existence. So on a good day, you would see Aideen and Gabrielle Gorbuth sitting on a small bench outside with a table beside them and a biscuit tin on top and that's where they kept the proceeds for their days taken. So it had gone from the heady heights of the 1830s, the last uh, neoclassical mansion built in Ireland with 30,000 acres to 400 acres, and the two sisters living in one corner of the house in very uh, impoverished conditions. So that's a, a potted history of Lisadell from the 1830s up to the current day, so if you just follow me.
6: And I think often even the accent of one's voice annoys people. And of course, it's a thing you can't change, really, isn't it? You are what you are. <laughs> well, I suppose it's Anglo-Irish, isn't it? That would be what I would describe it as. In England, you're supposed to be Irish, and here you're supposed to be English, and you really haven't very much place, either place, if you see what I mean. For a while after their deaths, the Gore Booth's nephew, Sir Jocelyn, did live at But My own father and mother weren't um, unionists, they were home, were home ruling, and after 1916 they had extremely lonely lives, rarely. It was only a few years though
0: before Sir Jocelyn moved his family back to London. He sold the Lissadell estate to the Walsh Cassidys and all the precious contents of the house so long preserved by his aunts, he auctioned off in a separate sale.
6: Well, there was times when I did find it very difficult to see everything that one ever did being torn down and made a mess of. I mean, it is horrible, rather. It's very, very depressing to live in a place when buildings aren't repaired and nothing's done. And But you see... I mean, it's very, very, really, very hard for me to know why we were treated like that.
4: It's awful to look back on it, trailer. It came as a surprise when when he put put it up for sale. Because we didn't know very much about his life in England or about his family connections in England or anything like that. But he wrote to me then... He wrote to me when he put it up for sale some weeks beforehand saying that he had decided to do this. And he wrote this note to me as a matter of courtesy. And because he always said... You, aunt always spoke well of you, he said, you know, uh, because we, of course, knew the Gorbuds, knew Aideen uh, particularly well, and Gabriel Gorbuds from when we were children.
11: You know, I've spoken to Joe Leonard three times uh, once at his house, once on the telephone, and once in a hotel in Sligo, and uh, it was quite acrimonious, really. Really? One of the things he said to me was that, oh, it's not the real thing now that the the, the Walsh Cassies are there, it's not, it's not the real thing that it was when the Gorboos were there.
0: Charles Henry is the owner of a guest house near Lisadell.
11: Well, everything in the Irish economy at the moment is dreadful, and our business is, is at the worst level it has been since I started 25 years ago. And Lissadell is a marvellous asset for anybody in tourism and for people in any other business locally, and not to have it is, is uh, pretty bad. And the other party in the whole situation is the county council.
0: He worries what this court case will eventually cost.
11: And the county is broke. The roads are potholed, uh, all sorts of services, the water services, as we all know, are leaking everywhere. Um, You know, the county can't afford this.
0: But Charles Henry is also a man who grew up locally.
11: Look, uh, either on or off the record, I mean, 90% of me is on their side, but 10% of me would say that about the PR side of things there is that even a, a once a year get together in the stable yard for local people who want to come up this sort of thing they've come from the east of the country and this is only my own personal opinion that you know things are looked upon a bit more communally in the west and a little bit more privately in the east
7: A, a changing um, landscape of course all the time because in different evenings, you walk down here different things present themselves and when you come back here the sunlight here on the mountain it's just a beautiful place
0: It's the 1st of February 2011 six weeks after the gates were opened and Jim Mean, who spoke on behalf of the locals outside the forecourts is on the beach in Lissadel. He's gained access to the beach by walking through the Lissadel estate through one of the newly reopened avenues.
7: Listened to the judgment was intent and intensity, should I say, and uh, felt at each stage that the case of the rights of way were very clearly accepted. It, it was um, a, a big moment in my life because when he declared his conclusions at the end, uh, I left, I didn't have contact with anybody and uh, as a grown man of 59 years of age, I cried my eyes out outside. And uh, Joe wasn't there at the judgment, and uh, he, he came to meet with us after the judgment. I think, I'm not sure what curtailed his attendance there. But Joe, I, I've known intermittently through my life. Mm-hmm. Joe would have been, and he might h- hate to hear me say this, but he, he would have been a year ahead of me in school. And when you get to be 59, that's very significant that anybody is a year ahead of you in school. His dad and my dad started working in the same place on the same day, uh, which was to Cliff Creamery. Um, that was in 1927. And they were both young... Well, my father was a young man of 17, and they were admitted, as the, the thing ra- read, at their own expense... And at their own risk. In other words, they weren't insured or they weren't paid. And then a year later, both young men uh, were given what was termed in the minutes a half man's pay. So I suppose we've had probably a very similar sort of passage. Mine has been in commerce, he's been an educator, but we, we're both people who've grown up in the environment and uh, have... I know Joe to have a deep attachment to the place.
4: I think that we have to realise that the Gore Booths, you know, r- operated this as a tourist attraction for decades. Uh, they did so without feeling the need to actually uh, close the roads to the public. Uh, they they never, never ever had to put up fortifications at their house because there was any risk from the local community. It, it was you know it never happened. Everybody knows now that the there have been bar, bar, initially barbed wire and some steel and a lot of fortifications right at Lizardel. I think I hope that that's not an indication of what the owners of Lizardel think about their neighbours, because you know for generations the people in my part of the world travelled to and from and over and back by Lizardella, and it never was a concern of the owners that they had to put up fortifications they be at the risk from their neighbours. So I hope that what has happened since the case in relation to the barbed wire and the barricades and all that is, I hope it's not an indication of what they think about their neighbours.
0: Since the 20th of December last, the Walsh Cassidy family have not uttered a single word in public about the case. The roads to Lissadell are now open, and a few people are taking a walk on that early spring afternoon. On the grounds are many large posters advising that this is private property. Grassy verges are now fenced off. A surveillance camera on the wall of the house points out towards the avenue. The entrance to the house itself is surrounded by steel holdings and barbed wire. The Lissadell website states that the Walsh-Cassidy vision is now at an end.
7: After Kearney and before you enter into the the most recent entrance to the estate, there's a little roadway called Thubber Ord, we called it, and that's where uh, Paddy McGowan, who would be my great-great-grandfather, lived. He moved to Kearney, a house I showed you as went by, and there his son, Frank McGowan, lived. And uh, after that, my grandfather lived there, John McGowan. My mother was born in that house, and for the first nine years of my parents' married life, they lived in that house. I mean, it's just my inherited tradition, for what it's worth. But it does summon me to certain thoughts in life and certain decisions, and one of which was to represent a view of, as I had felt the inheritance fall to me, of rights of way. And uh, Lissadell has a history, and this is only a small moment in that, the house is important not just as a tourist attraction to me it's a a focal centre for the history of North Sligo everybody has within their families who've lived here long uh, an anecdote, a story, or relevance and it's that ingrained in our being here it carries our story you might even say it's our DNA is stamped on
0: it On the 3rd of February last, lawyers for both sides met in court. Costs of the case, estimated at around £6 were awarded to Sligo County Council against the owners, Constance Cassidy and Edward Walsh. Constance Cassidy and Edward Walsh will seek an early hearing of an appeal to the Supreme Court.